0: Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org.
1: Amen. Well, I've titled this morning's message, This Is Our Rescue Story. And that song that Zach Williams, we did, um, talks about how he had been in the desert in the dark of night, and that his shame and guilt was no match for what God was doing. And so, regardless of what the world says you've done, I've had people come and tell me, Pastor, you don't know what I've done, and that God really can't forgive me. So, you know, that's really illegal. What you're saying is the blood of Jesus is not enough. That's illegal. (laughs) It's not true. And so, that's why we celebrate. Um, I remember uh, my wife and I, in our last mission trip before COVID shut everything down, we were in Costa Rica with a team and there was a woman who, her life, when we did her prayer ministry, or inner healing session, um, revealed such brokenness and abuse. and bro- It was a life that had been tortured. And when she told me of the man who beat her to the point of, actually thought he had killed her, she woke up in ICU. And um, when we were doing the inner healing session, one of the things that's on there, who would you like to forgive? And I would have thought that her five husbands and the guy who tried to kill her, they would have been on the top of the list. But in fact, um, she said, no, I got to ask God to forgive me. And I said, wow. Um, hmm. And so, it's at that moment that I shared with her this story. It was actually the alabaster story that Mary Esther brought the last two Wednesday nights where the woman who had, had, had been, quote, a sinful woman came into the room and broke the perfume bottle worth a whole year's wages and anointed his feet with her tears and the oil and anointed his body for his burial. And it was at that point that the religious folks were critical and mocked Jesus and said, you know, if he really knew, if he really was a prophet, then he would know who this woman is. Of course, Jesus reads their thoughts through words of knowledge and says, Simon, let me ask you a question. Culturally, you're supposed to give me water to wash my feet. You didn't. She's come in and washed them with her tears. You were supposed to um, be in that place where she's come and she's anointing me. Now, He says, let me ask you a question, Simon, someone who has a lot of sin, and this woman has many, who do you think... Loves more, the one who's been given a great deal of debt, forgiveness, or little? And he says, well, I suppose the one who has a great deal of debt. Because you've answered correctly, religious man, and this woman whose sins are many are now forgiven. When I told that story to this ex-prostitute, broken gang leader, she broke with a scream of freedom, recognizing that God… I said, do you know that God loves you, and that your love for Him because of your brokenness, that that has become a symbol of the love of God that is so great. When she came to church the next night, it was the next day, uh, with her husband who she had been married to, and he now was just this amazing man. She said, God's given me this amazing, amazing man who loves me. And the whole family got blessed. It was just one of those moments that I, I, I wasn't going to tell this story, but I just feel like it's very important for us to recognize, I don't care what your sin has been and how broken you are, His redemptiveness is that place where we celebrate His goodness. Amen? That's our rescue story. I don't know what your rescue story is, but every one of us have been rescued from something, darkness. And, and so, I tried... Um, in fact, the definition is probably pretty obvious. The definition of rescue is to save someone from a dangerous situation. And the rescuer is the one who does the rescuing. So we know that's Jesus. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke's gospel, chapter 16. I want to unpack for us this morning, what is this rescue? What did He really rescue us from? And, you know, I, I looked for videos. I searched yesterday for a video that would portray hell, and it was awful, but I couldn't find None of them did. It was just too much drama, too much. But I want us to see, do you know that Jesus spoke three times? I started adding up the number of times. Do you know that Jesus spoke three times more about hell than He did about heaven? And He was very vivid in His description of it. Now, why would He do that? You've got, you got denominations that are declaring nobody's going to hell. Hello? That's not the book. And so why would Jesus, the Rescuer, the Savior, the Redeemer of the world who came gave Himself, who paid a tremendous price that any, many could come, why would He tell us about how awful this place is? Because... The rescuer doesn't want you to go there. He doesn't want me to go there. There's several places in Scripture that describes it. This is probably a really good one. So, if you're in Luke 16, let me read beginning in verse 19, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Jesus said, Luke 16, 19, Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen who lived each day in luxury. At the gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for the scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open wounds. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. Some of your translation says Abraham's bosom. That is a special place. It was a holding place, which we'll unpack in a bit, but it was a safe place. You know that He said when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, He met with Abraham and Moses, right? And He said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the argument over the resurrection because the Sadducees believed there was no resurrection from the dead. That's why they were sad. And so, at this point, they, he goes to them, he says, how can that be? Haven't you heard that he's the father, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He's the God of the living. He's not the God of the dead. You, you don't understand the Scriptures. He corrects the scribes. And then he goes on and he says this. He goes, the rich man died and was buried, and his soul went to the place of the dead. So you have two categories, two places. You have the angelic caring of the poor man to be with Abraham in this place of the holding, and then he carries the one who is so wealthy when it says that he longed for him to have a scrap from the rich. That, get the picture of this. At the rich man's doorstep is this broken, sick, impoverished man, and the rich man steps over him and does nothing with all of his wealth to do anything to help him. I had a very similar experience that one day rocked my spirit. I was on a trip to Hong Kong for General Electric, and some of the guys we were with, they were going to go out and do, go to the bars and all this. I was with uh, Eddie Leung, he was a Chinese uh, Christian, worked for me out of GE Environmental, and Jack Sapenda, another man who worked for me. And we were Christians, and we prayed and said, no, we're not going to the clubs and all that. No, i ain't doing that. God, you have an assignment for us today? And we grabbed hands in the hotel room, and we prayed, and the Lord gave me the closest thing to an open vision I've ever had, even to this day. And I saw a, an American, a young American man, st- standing outside a strip club in Hong Kong, and he said, I want you to go, and I want you to witness to the man. I said, well, Lord, where is he? He goes, I'll show you. It was, it was really a powerful demonstration of his spirit. And I turned to Eddie, I turned to Jack, and said, God's going We got an assignment. Let's go. And Hong Kong at that time, I don't know if it still is, is the most populated city on the face of the earth. More people per capita mile. People all over the place. The whole streets are jammed. And the Lord said, go this way. And we walk. I don't know what the street was. He said, now turn left. We turn right. We walked for probably a half an hour. And there was the strip club. And there was the man in my vision standing outside the strip club. <laughs> And I walked up to him, and he says, Hey, we've got young girls. Why don't you guys come on in? He said, We didn't come here for the young girls. I came here because Jesus sent me to talk to you. And he turned ashen white. He'd been a believer and he'd walked away. He was in this, he was the prodigal who'd wandered. And it was that, that place where it says, That open vision. And there was this desire to see the presence of God. And so it's at that moment where it says, when I, I was like exuberant, I was like, whoa, God, you used us I'm like, yay, God. And I'm walking back to the hotel room, which was a Best Buy hotel, $400 a night for GE executives with a big thing of fruit, and I couldn't eat that thing in a week. <laughs> and as I'm walking to my hotel room, God's using us. And there was this place, there was a little place where people, the, the homeless would sleep underneath the bridge. And as I stepped out from under the place and I stepped over the homeless man to get to my hotel, the Holy Spirit said, watch out, rich man. And it rocked my soul. I said, God, whatever these privileges are, let me never lose sight of what you've done. And so, as a body, you know, we have reached out, we pray, God, but I ask you to look at where's the Lazaruses in your life? Don't step over them. When they come in here, the homeless and the broken, the addicted, God, give us the grace and the wisdom to understand how to minister. Let us never lose sight of the fact, except for the grace of God, there go I. So, it's this place where all of a sudden this rich man is in this place of torment. Let's finish. His soul went to the place of the dead. Some of your Scriptures said, The man also died, was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. Let me do away with this whole annihilation theory that says once you're dead, that's it, you go into the grave. That is not Scripture. It is not true. There's one of two places you and I will end up in eternity. It's either hell or it's heaven. Those are the two places. There's only two kingdoms. You're either alive in Christ or you're dead. That's the reality. Whoever's sitting here today, if you are not written in the Lamb's book of life, as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, you are dead. I'm not mixing the words. It's in the book. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to bring us to a reality point. Wake us up and be be aware of what's happening. And so he says, he went to the place of dead. The rich man shouted in verse 24. He shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity send Lazarus over here, dip his finger in the water, cool my tongue. I'm in the anguish of the flames. Abraham said to him, son, remember during your lifetime you had everything you wanted. Lazarus had nothing. See, I don't believe God has issues with the luxury. He has issues with what you do with the luxury. Abraham said to son, remember you had it all. So now he's being comforted and you're in the anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross from here to there and no one can cross from here to there. Well, the rich man said, well, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. I have five brothers and I want to warn them that they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets, they warned them. your brothers can read the Scriptures, what they wrote. The rich man said, no, 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 Father Abraham, if someone would be sent back from the dead, they would repent and from, turn from their sins, and they would turn to God. Abraham said, they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even if someone is raised from the dead. Of course, Jesus was prophesying about what was about to happen to him. So we see in this, turn back to, to Luke 12, another place of the emphasis here in Luke 12 in verse 1, meanwhile the crowds grew until thousands were milling about, stepping on each other, trying to get the. G turned and He turned to His disciples and He warned them, beware the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. Watch out for the religious hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that's covered up will be revealed. Everything that is secret will be made known. Wherever you see in the dark and heard in the light will now be heard in the light. And anything you've whispered, watch out for your gossip. Behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetop for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid. Now here's the operative. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot cannot do any more after that. But I tell you whom you should fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, He's the one to fear. Now, this doesn't preach a real uh, agape, right? Abba, Father, Daddy. It's true. He is that. But why would our Savior, the Rescuer, be so specific? Why? Why? Because the reality is there are those that are going there, and it's a place, I wrote down the Scriptures, multiple places. You want to Google? Go in there and ask for the hell verses. (laughs) Lord, it's not an uplifting series of Scriptures, okay, I'll just, but I got three, I got four or five pages of them, Old Testament and mostly New Testament. What does the Bible say about hell? But as the cowardly, faithless, detestable, as for murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, you wonder why we seek truth, their portion is with the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death, Revelation one eight. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, rather fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell, Matthew 10.28. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life, Matthew 25, 46. Psalm nine seventeen. the wicked go down to the realm of the dead and all the nations that forgot their God. They will be punished with an everlasting destruction, shut out from the presence of the Lord and for the glory of His might, 2 Thessalonians 1, 9. And throw them into the blazing furnace, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 13, 50. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your holy ones see decay. Acts 227. There's many, many more. Red letter. Jesus spoke them. This place of the rescue he's our rescue story one of the scriptures that jesus describes says there's a place where the flames are not quenched and the worm does not die in fact that literal translation if you look it up in the greek it's the maggots never die i want us to get a reality i'm not trying to gross you out i'm just trying to give you the fear of the lord The reverential honor of God, that recognizing that there is a place that Jesus described in vivid revelation, and that's why this resurrection story is so powerful. When you recognize, when He recognized what He saved us from, that's why He was so specific as to why He never wanted anyone to go into that place. But there will be many, He said. Narrow is the way, and few ever find it. Broad is the highway of those things that lead to destruction. And so, I want us to so appreciate what He's kept us from. The revelation of that place of darkness where there is no peace. One of the first acts, if you look at your handout... In this rescue story, we love that Paul writes in First Corinthians 15, this is not on your handout, it says, If Christ had not been raised from the dead, then our faith is useless. But in fact, since he was seen as eyewitness by Paul even says, you know, I was an eyewitness later. He he appeared to all the apostles that the eleven. He also appeared to 500 eyewitnesses at one time in 1 Corinthians 15. So he declares, he sets this thing in place, that the resurrection of Christ is the greatest reality of all that we've ever preached to you. If it were not true, then your faith is useless, but it is true. And so because He's the firstborn of the dead, then we have many sons and daughters that will come as a result of that. Now, if you look at that top nice bold there in 1 Corinthians, in Colossians 1.13, for He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. That word literally there is translated. When you come to that place of the surrendered heart of Christ, you've surrendered your life. and says, now your, lamb, your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. He talks about this in, in Luke's gospel chapter 10, when they come back from the mission trip, right? And they've cast out demons, and they were amazed. And He says, I, I'm glad for that, but don't celebrate. Celebrate your citizenship of heaven. You have a citizenship that is written in heaven that can be marked. You're actually marked. Your DNA has been transformed. I, I listed there in the in that statement there in uh, the new creation. They're back on, let's see, it's on Number two there at the bottom, after resurrection, revelation, transformation. Those who believe have experienced the revelation of Christ are a new creation. It, it literally means a new creature. Now, it's like, wait a minute, when I got saved, Pastor Willie opened the service. He says, I remember the day I got saved. It's like there, there were things, maybe it was joyful, something, it was crying. Whatever. But actually something shifted in your creative makeup. You, you are a new creature in Christ. You have now put on this marking that is marked in the blood of Jesus that has actually changed who you are. That's why when we go into some places and the devil starts, I know who you are. Yeah. yeah, and I know who you are too, <laughs> right? They know. That's why when Jesus walked in the temple, remember that in Capernaum? He walked in the temple and he screamed out, Jesus, thou Son of God, why have you come to torment us before our time? He says, be quiet. Shh. I'm not ready to have that be told yet. Right? And he opens up the scroll in Luke 4. And the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. So that's that place we see. These both... Look at your outline. It says He both rescued us and He redeemed us, those who believe in Christ. When Thomas, you know, I really don't like the definition of Thomas the doubter. <laughs> I don't like that, although I used to doubt, <laughs> right? I like the one at Thomas the seeker of truth. I'm after truth a lot, and so, but it was that one. Remember when, I don't know why, I don't know what Thomas was doing. Was he having a day with the kids, or was He cutting the grass? I don't, he wasn't there when Jesus showed up the first time and walked through the walls, right? And then when the other boys, uh, you can you get to see Peter and John, yeah, you weren't there, Thomas. <laughs> we saw Him. Yeah. He goes, and what does He do? He says, I don't even believe it. If I don't see the scarred hands, or I don't see the wounds, I won't believe it. Jesus heard that. A week later, he shows up, walks through the wall, and there's Thomas, and he walks up to him first. He says, Thomas, touch me. Feel me. He falls to his face as my Lord and my God. And then he says this amazing thing, Thomas. I I quoted it here. Don't be faithless anymore. No longer believe, John 20, 27. I want to Daniel Christian does an amazing job, this whole worship team and whole AV sound guys. I asked Daniel, I said, I don't know if you've ever saw, heard the song by, um, by Skaggs. Um, what's her name? Ma- ma- yeah, Ain't No Grave Gonna Hold This Body Down, right? I just thought it was appropriate. So I, I asked Daniel to piece together, like from the start of the Palms to the Passion, which I preached Friday night we looked at the days the, the jam-packed week from when he raises Lazarus from the dead enters Jerusalem they call him hosanna king of the king king of kings lord of lords has come right he's riding he fill, fulfills the prophecy in Zechariah 9:9 9, 9, 500 years before Christ he rides in on the donkey colt here he is this humble servant riding in not as the conquering king but he is. And so he enters into Jerusalem, and then all of a sudden, the plot to kill him. He goes in, turns the tables over, the money changers, right? At that point, he, he comes to the scribes and the Pharisees, calls them dead men's bones. And it's they plot to kill him. The, the betrayal by Judas, the, you know the story, all the way to the Last Supper, the washing of the feet. What a week! What an amazing week. So Daniel pieced together some of the, and I want to show this video. And I want you to see what He did for you.
0: Oh, shame is a prison, it's cruel.
1: Jesus. Woo! (laughs) Thank you, Lord. That resurrection, revelation, transformation had happened with those 11. Number one in your handout, I want you to know that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. you. You don't get it. Revelation 8 says, the same spirit, not another spirit or a di- the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I was describing to my grandson the other day, I said, when that body was in the tomb and when the father said, now, and when that explosion happened inside that dead body, the, I don't know what you know about the t- shroud of Turin, there's all sorts, they thought at that moment there was an imprint of his body onto the shroud. There was such an explosive coming of power in his body at that moment. The transformation from that which was flesh is now immortal. And that is the same spirit that dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. That's what he said. So, whenever you get sick or you got something going on, you ought to just stand in front of the mirror and just start quoting that. Start declaring to your body listen up. This is what the spirit of God says. Soul man, you need to listen. Soma body, you need to listen. The same spirit that quickens. Jesus is alive in me. And then you're a new creation, transformed, translated. I put the Greek word there, number three. That word, translated, is the same word, delivered or rescued. It's metatestestesen. I think is how you say it. But I want you to know that the first act, this is amazing. There's a, we, we're going to land this thing because want. I've got a dance. They've been, ladies have been working on our Spirit and Truth dancers that is just going to light us all up the spirit of amazing grace. But I just want you to realize that the first thing, turn with me to this Scripture in Matthew 27. we were reading this to my grandson the other day and just kind of describing this. And then last, on Friday night, we also shared it. This is this amazing, it's almost like, woo this is kind of a little wild here. G- around Jesus is wild things, right? In Matthew 27, in verse 45, we were sharing at 3 o'clock with our grandkids, my wife and I. We, we kind of set the alarm and set that aside on Friday and said, we're going to remember right now. And I asked them, I said, can you imagine right now, it's sunny out there, for three hours it gets dark. And then there's an earthquake. And there's this veil, four inches thick. In fact, they said, Josephus wrote in the historical uh, writings, that a horse tied to each corner of that thing could not pull it apart. That's how it was woven. And the moment that Jesus died, that four-inch thick veil that separated from the Holy of Holies, that only allowed the high priest once a year to come in, was ripped from one end to the other, and now you and I have access to the throne room. Because the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. And it says that at that moment, so look at this, it says at verse 45, Matthew 27, at noon, darkness fell across the land at three o'clock, and about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice. It was at that moment He wanted to know how could the sin that was placed upon Him from the whole world, of anyone that ever lived at that moment, the Father couldn't look at it. And Jesus felt the first time the unity He speaks of in John 17, the Father and I are one and i desire that you would be one with us i and you you and him all together as one it's at that moment the sin separated the son of god from his family and he cried with a loud voice that the agony of that place but at the moment he gave up his spirit it is finished and then he goes on and it says this it says some of the bystanders misunderstood. He was calling out to Elijah. Let's see. They gave him the drink. That Let's see if Elijah will come. Jesus shouted again, gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from the bottom. The earth shook, rocks split, and the tombs opened, and the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. That's just plum weird right there. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went to the holy city and appeared to many. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. This man truly was the Son of God. So you get this picture... If you've ever seen the East Gate of Jerusalem, Golgotha is up to the higher peak and looks down and, and uh, they've buried, they got all the sepulchers and they've actually, the Muslims have blocked off the, the East Gate at that point because they know that Jesus is going to come through the East Gate as if some rocks are going to keep Him anyway. And so, but anyway, and then they put a graveyard because there's a defilement in the graveyard, right? But can you imagine the moment that Jesus dies, He then enters the dark place. In fact, it says in Ephesians, I've listed it here on the bottom of your page there, a number of Scriptures, again, very intriguing Scriptures. Um, In Ephesians 4, 8, 9, it says, He that ascended first descended into the lower parts of the earth, and He led a crowd of captives free. He says that also in Peter. I've listed that Scripture there that says, He preached to the spirits who were in prison. We know from Psalm 68, it's the same Scripture quoted again. And then, of course, I read you Luke 16 about the rich man and Lazarus. What was taking place at this moment, can you imagine the graves open and f- until the point where Jesus is resurrected Himself, the graves are open and the righteous ones are standing in the graveyard. Now that's just... I, I don't and then it says they left and went and found their families. Remember the probably the the skeptical granddaughter, grandson. Of the, yeah, grandma. You're always talking about Jesus and all that. Go, but and their their grandma says, "I told you." There was probably a no wonder thousands came into the church right after that, <laughs> right? Oh my goodness, it was like good. No, Grandma's alive. <laughs> you're crazy. No, I'm not. We talk about wow. It was about to get really exciting. And so, his first act was to lead, number four there, a crowd of captives to freedom. See, what I believe scripturally is he went down to that place in Abraham's holding cell, those who had been there. Those who were imprisoned, he says he preached to those in prison. Those who were the rebellious ones in Revelation chapter 12. Well, one-third of the angels and the demons, and they've been thrown down to heaven at that place. Jude also speaks of this same thing. And so we see he goes down there, and Satan who thought he'd won, Jesus walks up to him, give me the keys. I am he that was dead and now I'm alive, and now I have the keys of hell and death. I got the keys back. He unlocks Abraham's bosom. and says, come on. We're going. Follow me. woo <laughs> Glory to God! Man, if that doesn't bless you, it's like Your blesser needs adjustment, right? It's like, so so it's this place, and now it's like the devil's going, oh, my gosh, what did we do? We thought we won. Yeah. So, I just want us to see in this rescue story, it's personal. It's you. It's me. I don't want you to get morbid, but meditate on the fire where the maggot doesn't die. And that ought to motivate us to tell people, you don't want to go there. I'm telling you, well, I don't want to offend them. I want to be politically correct and the cancel culture. Come on. Get over that right away. It's time to tell them, look, I love you so much, I'll tell you the truth. You may never want to speak to me again, but I won't have it on my conscience that I didn't tell you what I believe is true. And if you've ever done deliverance and you watch a person who's been totally demonized and when they get set free... The kingdom of God has come, and it will convince you beyond the shadow of a doubt. There is a spirit world, and God lives, and the name of Jesus is above every name. That's the reality. So, I'm just praying. Let's set up for our dance. Do we need to move these uh, at all? We do? Okay. I'm so thankful for our worship team and our dancers, all you who enhance so much of our lives here in worship and the next 3 Wednesday nights we're going to do this created to worship series where you're going to hear from okay you're going to hear from our worshipers what it means to be created to worship so i want to thank the spirit and truth Well, let's stand. We'll be dismissed. I want to celebrate with you. Jude wrote this. He said in Jude 24, it says, now unto him who's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Ministry team, if you'll come, come. We want to pray. If you haven't been prayed for and you need prayer, God's touched you. Don't, don't leave here without it. If you really need to just make a new commitment to Christ, what a great day to, to log into your journal, your Bible. This is the day. Those joining by live stream, we pray that that resurrection re- reality of the kingdom of God and His grace has reached you. And God, we thank you this morning for your goodness and your mercy. And now, Lord, thank you for keeping us from falling. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Have a great, have a great day. Don't forget, men's group we got Monday night, and then Wednesday, created to worship. Uh, we thank the Lord for all that he's doing.